So I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Alma. Who knew? Who knew? As I stood over here and we held hands and those involved in worship prayed this morning, what came to my mind was I'm standing on holy ground. And just a few phrases later, Scott said, and Lord, as Bishop Linda prayed, we stand on holy ground. I wasn't here yesterday when Bishop Linda spoke. I was here for the Embrace All conference. I wasn't here because our daughter Carice had come into town to meet us. We came from Columbus. She came from Albany. I skipped out. Who knew that I would be ICCM director when I signed up for the Embrace All conference and be back here in New Hope? Who knew that the first uh, project for ICCM that I would be asked to engage on would be an email from Dr. Delia Olver that she sent yesterday, and I happened to look at this morning when it flipped up on my email. Alma, we need to talk. Who knew that I would be here with my sister Sandra Hope, who... God used in my life to begin my healing journey. Who knew that I would be staying on Marion Street, which is the place where we were living when Carice was born, which was the place where I first recognized my yard is significantly bigger on this side of the city street than the eight children who live in that pink house on the other side of the street. Let's come and play. The time that I first recognized, having lived in Honduras, having 
engaged with street children, having the first time understanding how poverty is so incredibly complex. Marion Street, the first place that I realized that my excitement to bring a group of children to the suburban church where I was serving wasn't received with quite as much enthusiasm as I had, and I couldn't quite figure that one out. Who knew? Right? And so we stand on holy ground. Holy meaning this place that was church and then photo studio and now church again. Holy, consecrated, meaning set apart. Holy, meaning because it's set apart, now it gets to be made useful (laughs) in multiple and various and perfect and imperfect and lovely ways. What a privilege it is to be with you all this morning. Who knew? So this whole ICCM thing came at me. I was not looking for it. I love the superintendency. Um, as a matter of fact, when Bishop first called me, I said, Bishop, come on. And I gave him the reasons why not. I haven't lived with, I haven't worked within the four, the confines of four walls of an office for 20 plus years. Why would I want to go back to an office while the rest of the world is living in the cloud, baby? Right? Why would I leave one highly meaningful leadership ministry to to go, oh, by the way, this was after he told me whoever had this position would move to Indianapolis. Why would I leave superintendency and living in Columbus and go to Indianapolis and take my husband, who then would have no ministry leadership position? And, and thirdly, why would I leave the children in my own backyard that flock like bees to honey when I hung a tire, well, he hung it, tire swing and put up the Honduran hammock in our yard and ministry like I've never seen to children before is happening in my yard. Why would I leave this? But I did say, Bishop, I think I am perfectly positioned. I know that one of the pushbacks that ICCM gets regularly is why would I send $30 a month to provide food for a child over there when the food, when the children in my own yard go hungry. And I said, Bishop, I think I'm perfectly positioned to say it's not an either or, it's a both and. And then I said, I suppose I'd be willing to commute. I'll do two nights, three days in Indy. It's about a three hour drive from Columbus. And he says to me, huh, that's a creative out-of-the-box solution. I said, well, I'm a creative out-of-the-box person. So if that's what you want, I might be the one. Apparently I was. Linda, Bishop Linda Adams called me on a Saturday, said, Alma, this is what it will look like. Do you accept? I said, yes. Why did I say yes? Well, frankly, because I'm an ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church. It's an appointment system. I serve on behalf of the Lord of the Church, the Christ, at the call of the church. 
So when my bishop calls and says, will you, I say, yes. And then I wondered, what in the world? So last Monday morning, first day to try to implement this commute plan. Now, mind you, I love to drive, um, but I like to start driving at 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, on a long road trip, I can drive till 6, 7 in the morning. I've done it. There's proof of it. But not in the morning. So I got up at 3 a.m. I was out of the house by 3.15, and I was on the road. My pillow was in the back seat, and everything in me wanted to pull off and just tip my seat back with my pillow because I can sleep anywhere. And I just was saying, God, there's nothing in me that can do this except you. If this is to be, it looks great on paper. I offered it to Bishop as a solution, but really. Do you know for the next two hours... In a redemptive moment, I just said, God, can you redeem this time? You have to wake me up. You have to do this because I absolutely can not. But you and me, you can. And for the next two hours, I sang worship songs literally with the word mourning in them. And it was not named that tune. How many of you are, are worship people and somebody asks you, hey, what song shall you sing? Any, anybody know this experience? When somebody asks you what song shall we sing, you can't think of a song, right? It's like brain freeze. For two hours, I sang songs of mourning, new mercies, faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you, I did not think of a single one of them. But they came to my heart and they poured out my lips from my heart because what I recognized in that moment of worship for almost two hours, that it was Christ in me, the hope, the empowerment, the ability to actually do this thing. So the reason I left so early in the morning is I figured I'll drive part way. And then I'll stop to get breakfast and coffee. Because frankly, I can do things without sleep. I cannot do things without the word of God speaking to me every morning. That I have learned. I can't do it. I do not live on bread alone. And in my case, I do not live on sleep alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God to me. So I figured I'll drive for a while, I'll pull over, I'll get breakfast, I'll do my reading, my meditation. I'm sitting in, in Cracker Barrel, and I'm reading in Acts 16, which is the story of Paul and Silas in prison after they have just set the slave girl free, right? And she had a problem, then they fixed that problem, but boy, did it create another problem, because the people who were making money off of her slavery now were livid. And they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into jail. And there they sat. And you know what it says they were doing? Praying and singing. And in the side of my Bible, I wrote, oh, Living by the power of the Christ in them. And then I put beside that Philippians 4. 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And in that moment at my table, and I just, I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now I have to be careful, right? There's a fine line between meditation and sleep. I can do, and just like that, bolt up. <gasps> this is a work that God prepared in advance for me to do. This ICCM directorship is a work that God prepared in advance for me to do? Let me tell you what that means to me, okay? So this has been my theological shaping about this whole idea of Christ in the last, I'm going to say maybe even just year and a half to two years. So let's take the name, Jesus Christ Lord. Okay, for the first time I feel like in the re my recent theological past, I'm beginning to get a uh, basic understanding of those, right? So Jesus, Jesus, the man, the human being fully, right? But we know that Jesus, that human being was fully God in the sense, right? This human being, all that he said, all that he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him, right? Now, Jesus Christ Lord, Jesus the man. But because he is man and God, he is Christ. Now, the Christ is kind of like the position he fills. It's not his last name. You've seen that bumper sticker, right? The Christ... I've come to understand is like this. Vanna Brent, would you do me the honors? Any idea what he has in his hands? Paper, yeah. Specific kind? Architecture, what? Blueprints. Show us the blueprints. Okay? This is the Christ, the architectural plan for this building, New Hope Free Methodist Church. So Jesus, the man full of the Holy Spirit, is the Christ, the blueprint, the plan, the design for what it looks like to be fully human, empowered by the Spirit. Thank you. The Christ. Jesus was the plan, the Christ, the visible blueprint of what it means to be fully human, empowered, filled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the blueprint, Lord. More specifically, my Lord. Lord means boss. Lord means authority. Lord means that when I look at the blueprint, I agree 
to cooperate with the plan that's on the blueprint. Jesus, the blueprint, is my boss. I will look to the Christ and say, what does the Christ have in mind for me? (laughs) To have the mind of Christ is to think according to the blueprint. To have the spirit of Christ in me is to have the spirit that created that blueprint and empowered it in the first place. Scripture tells us that in him and through him and for him and by him were all things made. That's the Christ. This is a work prepared in advance for me to do. This is a work that has been in the mind of Christ in the plan for me to do. Okay, now let me back up one step, okay? So Jesus Christ, Lord, come back with me to Genesis 1 in the narrative of the creation of all things in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, for Christ. Universe, earth, right? So here's what I've come to understand. We have this idea of the sovereignty of God. That's kind of what we're talking about. The sovereignty of God. But here's how I've come to understand that. So God, Jesus' spirit, creates the earth. Right? Creation and all the universe. We're moving along. Evil comes. Right? The forces against the Christ, the one who would like to tear up the Christ, the blueprint and all that it's planned, comes in to try to mess with it, and all of creation falls. Right? Now, the sovereignty of God has not changed. The Christ has not changed. The plan has not changed. As a matter of to Revelation 21 it says new heaven new earth it says from the beginning to the end of this book that the plan of God the sovereignty of God the purpose of God the Christ the blueprint is that all of this good that God created that fell will be restored new heaven new earth it says That this earth is groaning, waiting for the children of God. For those who will play by the rules of the Christ, of the blueprint, to cooperate and be empowered by God, doing the works that he planned for us to do in advance in order to be part of the trajectory of bringing this good earth back to the sovereignty of God. We have gotten so hung up in talking about sin as if it's the things we do, the behaviors we have. And we, the church, frankly, are the worst at it, right? Let's be honest. And though that's a piece, really sin 
is about what trajectory we're on. It's not caught up in what we do and this bad choice and that bad choice and this being messed up, but it's about are we part of this trajectory or this one? So when I'm sitting there and I'm saying, this is a work prepared in advance for me to do, I recognize that in the blueprint of the creator, the Christ, from the very beginning, there's a line on a wall somewhere. This is Alma's part. Alma will play a part, not only with the children in her backyard from all around the world, yes, there for sure, but also all around the world for children and broken communities who have been so messed up by this trajectory. This is the piece that Alma will play to work with me, to pull to bring, to be empowered that the brokenness of this creation will come back into the line of the sovereignty of God. (laughs) Now here's the deal. Sovereignty of God means God has a job description. And we are Wesleyan thinkers and we truly believe that you also have a job description. I have a job description. Now here's the deal. God does not, have, does not expect to have to do your job description. He also does not expect you to do his. But in cooperation, operating together, the sovereignty of God and the empowerment of us as full humans with the spirit in us can live as the Christ to work to bring back. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. Right? To a people who were in a place that was not their homeland. And they were told, build houses. Love the people. Be a neighbor. Do this. Do that. Why can you do all this just regular life stuff? (laughs) You can do all this regular life stuff in a place that is not your home. And you can make it your home. Why? Because I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm, but to give a future and a hope. Who knew? Jeremiah says, I know. That's God's voice. To Abraham, to Sarah, God says, through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, through you. (laughs) Through you, all the people of the earth will be blessed. Through you. Scripture says over and over, listen to what Moses says. Listen to what God says through Moses. 
Again, turn to your other neighbor and say, through you. God says to Solomon when he's called to build the temple, which is this symbolic, real idea of we will be the temple, right? The place that God will dwell. The whole point way back here of the garden is that God wants to be with us, with humanity. That's the big plan here. God and people together. So everything from Genesis to Revelation is about a good God with a people together. And so he says to Solomon, through you, say it with me, through you. (laughs) Do you believe it? Amen. So what that meant for me when I, this is a work that God prepared in advance for me to do. I'm thinking of the potter and the clay, right? And the, the thing about that imagery, there's, there's two different passages, potter and the clay in the hand of the potter, right? And there's the one that we have this glory through cracked vessels, right? Through broken vessels, because the whole point is that's how God gets seen in this is through our brokenness, in spite of our brokenness, by our brokenness, because we've consecrated ourselves to be holy for the good of the world, because we're working in the trajectory of new. And I, and I realize that a potter does not create a bowl expecting that I will drink my coffee out of it. The potter does not create a flower vase thinking that I will use the flower vase to uh, display a bouquet of fresh fruit. Prepared in advance for you to do. The potter does not create a mug thinking it will house a bouquet of flowers. Now sometimes it can, right? Break the stem short and stick it in there and it looks pretty cool. Because it's kind of cool how, how God can take things and creatively use. And what it meant for me as I sat there is the realization that God is the musician. God is the master. The concert master. And I am the instrument. <laughs> and God, does the, the, the creator of instruments does not create a piano expecting it to sound like a cello or create a djembe expecting it to make the melody of a piano now granted these electric keyboards i'm telling you right they can do a lot of things but the point is created in advance thought of ahead of time who knew that through you that through me Matthew says don't be afraid if you're arrested if you're called before authorities why you don't really need to worry about it I know you don't feel adequate for all these things that you might be called to do while you're sitting there at Cracker Barrel eating breakfast But don't worry about it. 
Because the Christ, Jesus, shows us what happens when a human, fully consecrated, is filled with the Spirit. It is the Spirit that will speak whatever needs to be spoken. So fear not. I am with you. As a matter of fact, that's who I am, God. That's who Emmanuel is. That's the whole point from the beginning is that God would be with. And so in Cracker Barrel, (laughs) this is a work (laughs) prepared in advance for me to do. But the forgiveness of sins or the reversing of the trajectory, right? The sufficient, you know, sometimes people just say, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Well, if we understand that in its full theological concept, perhaps that's true. But frankly, if somebody's in that position and you're saying, all you need is Jesus, it sounds like blah, blah, blah. Because what you might actually need is counseling. And what you might actually need is a family to be part of. And what you might actually need is a close friend who can look you in the face and see the image of Christ in you. And say, you are messed up. But I'm telling you that I'm your friend because part of the work that was created in advance for me to do is to walk with you in a new trajectory towards life and new forgiveness of sins is through christ through jesus say through jesus again through jesus everyone who believes and that is not a blah 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 That is a sense of the full understanding of everyone who joins in this. Through Jesus. Through Christ. The trajectory can change. So it's fascinating from that lens... For me to look back. You know we sang this morning. Be thou my vision. Oh Lord. Boss. Of my heart. Not be all else to me. Save that thou art. In other words let me see that blueprint. That you had. In mind for me. Now we know that. It's easiest to see through the rearview mirror where we've come from, right? That's part of what I love about Jesus and learning to follow Jesus and understand Jesus and the Christ and all of that is that through the rearview mirror, the awesome thing is even if I make a mistake, <laughs> right? If I'm interacting with someone and the Spirit of God was nudging me to say something and I didn't say anything, and after the fact I say, oh, that was the Spirit prompting me. Guess what? I just learned in that moment of, quote, failure, what the voice of the Spirit sounds like. Somehow that's not failure. (laughs) Right? It's journey. I love Psalm 54 simply because it's only seven verses. 
And the first five are, oh my goodness, my situation is absolutely horrible. And the last two is actually praising God for the victory that God, that, that God has already brought. Now, clearly, God has not yet already brought the victory. But the psalmist has seen it happen enough times that after five verses of fretting, awfulizing, <laughs> he says, wait a minute. I know who God is. <laughs> Praise you, God, that you've taken care of my enemies. How do we learn that? We learn that through the rearview mirror, right? We learn that by looking back and we say hindsight is 2020, right? And we ask ourselves, who knew that through you? And we look back and realize God knew through me when I was living on Marion Street and trying to figure out how to interact with my little neighbors. God knew when I was living in Honduras and learning Spanish and recognizing for the first time how incredibly complex poverty is. I grew up on a farm on the top of a hill where I couldn't see another house. And here I am in the capital city of Honduras of more than a million people. <laughs> Who knew? God knew. God even knew when I was that farm girl, child number eight in a family of 12, born to church planters. What did my parents do to plant churches? They started ministry to children, Sunday school and vacation Bible schools. That's all they really did. And churches grew up around them. I didn't know it then, as my parents were interacting with the migrant families that lived several miles back in the migrant housing. <laughs> and my father planted an extra field of corn beside their shacks. I did not know that feeding migrant children and watching that as a three and four and five and six year old was all part of God preparing in advance for me, a child of a farmer, to be part of building holistic communities, providing food and clothing and education for children all around the world as one director who really happens to be really good at pulling pieces together. Who knew that when I was a junior high and high school member of the soccer team and every year we sold raffle tickets and I had to process that theologically with my parents, isn't this gambling? Well, not exactly. It's a fun way to give a donation to the soccer team. So be free, my dear daughter, to sell raffle tickets. And for seven years in a row, I was the top salesperson of raffle tickets and went to the professional soccer game for free seven times in a row. I don't sell anything as a pastor or as a superintendent because that is a conflict of interest. I'm not going to do that. But boy, oh boy, will I be using my salesperson gifting to invite people to feed children all around the world. 
in holistic communities. Who knew that through you, Brent and I have served as superintendent, as co-leaders, eight years as co-lead pastors in Harvest Chapel, and now four, starting our fifth year as co-superintendents. And many of our married ministry friends have looked at us and said, you're crazy. And we have said, yeah, it's true. Because there's no question that doing that job by myself or him by himself would have been easier. But for some reason, for some reason, we knew that God had called us to co-leadership. And I had often said, as a matter of fact, the first time I shared devotions with the superintendents and bishops in what we call the GOT, the Global Overseers Team, I brought with me a picture purchased from the Artisan Works, painted by a baseball player. Brent had played for the Sharks in the Rochester City Leagues for the 14 years that we were here. He would want me to tell you that they won every time. But Maddie had come to know Christ, and he was an artist by design. And he painted this picture based on Isaiah 35, and it's called The Way of Holiness. And I bought that for our anniversary as we were leaving Rochester and hung it always in the bedroom, in our bedroom, with a framed Psalm, uh, Isaiah 35, because I knew that our marriage was given to me as a gift, not for my happiness, but for my holiness. Not only for my happiness, (laughs) but primarily for my holiness. If I had been pursuing a commuting ministry opportunity five years ago, it would have been to run away because it's sometimes easier. But at this point, this co-leading for us has so solidified the marriage in a good, strong, healthy, beautiful, not even close to perfect, working through issues in constructive ways most of the time way. And so even that, I look back and say, oh, this is a work that God prepared in advance for me to do. I could go on and on and on because the reality is in this last two weeks, through the rearview mirror of 2020 vision, I have seen, (laughs) it's by grace that you are saved It's by grace, right, is that passage before the work. (laughs) By grace. That word is actually charis, right? The undeserved gift from God. It is by the gift of God that this person is the handiwork of God, prepared in advance to do a work in cooperation with the Christ. So New Hope, it's through you, the local church. 
for the four corners of Rochester, for Rwanda. It's through you, individually, in your neighborhood, in the call, in your skills, in your abilities, and your inabilities. Whether you call Rochester your home, or this is not your home, but you make it your home because God knows the plans he has for you. His masterpiece.